Hello, this is Erin Weir. The journey to being a successful creative entrepreneur is filled with challenges, hard work, and occasional high points. You have the opportunity to minimize the challenges and hard work by learning from experts, mentors, and leaders that have traveled the same road before you. The Creative Genius Podcast celebrates you and your hard work and helps you shortcut the path to profit and renewed passion. Welcome back to the Creative Genius Podcast and welcome to the first episode of season five. A lot has happened between seasons four and five. And on today's podcast, we'll be talking about one of those major events. I'm sitting down with my co-host, Gail W, to talk to her about her recent sabbatical. This break contributed to her personal and professional growth and gave her time to reflect. I'll be asking her about what she chose to reflect on and what she's learned about herself, and of course, why it's important to take time to rest and recharge. For those who aren't familiar, Gail is our company's co-founder and chief visionary. And the idea of her taking a break was a foreign concept to our team. As we'll discuss, taking this break involved a lot of trust in our team and the knowledge that this would be a valuable investment of time. Well, hello there, Miss Gail Doby. Hello there, Ms. Erin Weir. <laughs> well, I'm excited to have you back uh, from your sabbatical, and I would love to talk a little bit about that today um, and some of the reasons why breaks are so necessary, uh, why you wanted to take a sabbatical, and what you learned from it coming out of it. Um, so let's go ahead and get started with uh, the why of your sab- sabbatical. Sure. Yeah. What were you thinking? I mean, I know about a year ago, you came to me and, you know, you're always giving me different little newsy notes to be thinking about. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, this is another big thing, you know? And you're like, I'm going to be taking sabbatical at the end of the year. So you should just start getting ready for that and start getting the team ready for that. And I kind of grinned and I was like, oh, that, that's good. But I, I doubt you're going to take it. Right. And then as the year proceeded, even just a couple of weeks proceeded, it was on the calendar. And as the year went by, it was becoming more and more evident that you were actually going to take this sabbatical. And, you know, I think it was, I think it was good because it gave our team time to see that you were serious about it. And I think it also really showed our team a lot about um, what it's like when you're gone. And, um, and the purpose of a break, um, and what you can get from that. Yeah, well, I think there are a lot of reasons. And I do want to share this. And of course, I did that for our team as soon as I came back. And it was an emotional thing. It was so interesting, because I didn't even realize I was going to be so emotional about it, sharing it when I got back. But I wanted the team to understand all of the reasons and all the things I, I did when I was on break, because it's so hard to even begin to know what you're going to do. And so for me, even leading up to it, I had no idea what I was going to actually do. And it didn't really come to me other than I had a week of vacation scheduled at the beginning and the rest was back in Denver where I could be home and I could clean out the closets and the drawers and get organized for the year. But that was just um, part of the whole thing. And of course, the first thing I did is I started reading. And that from one book, I would go to another, to another, to another. And I think I ended up with about uh, 25 books by the time I was done with the six weeks. So it was um, about a book every other day, at least. And I had to have time in there to clean out the closets. (laughs) I couldn't read all the time. So let's just go back for just a minute, though. When you when did you actually start thinking about 
the validity of a sabbatical and what really motivated you to actually Mm -hmm. take it? Well, I've been thinking about it for a couple of years. And there were a couple of reasons that I thought it would be really important for me to do it. And one is that I felt like that's a good test for the team. And especially because my role is changing and I knew my role would change even more um, during the year of 2021. And with that being the case, by the end of the year, I knew I would be out of what we call seats, which means responsibilities that I had to be uh, taking care of in the business. And so I felt like by the time I got to the end of the year, I was going to need a rest, which I certainly did. I needed a mental break because I was just tired. I was mentally and emotionally tired from the year. And it was two years of COVID by the time I got to sabbatical or almost. And I just realized I needed that space, the time. I needed to reflect. I needed to process. I needed, most importantly, to refill my tank and reset because it's so easy to get kind of caught up in the day-to-day and you don't really take enough time to stop and to think and to process. So refilling the tank was really important for me. And then I think the other thing that was driving this for me was to work on personal growth. And I shared that with one of my coaches that I hired as a result of sabbatical. And it really came down to I had been thinking about it for probably seven or eight years about personal growth needing to be more of a focus. And by doing the reading that I did, I spent a lot of time reading some business books, but a lot of personal growth books. And I cannot tell you how incredibly impactful it was to have that level of focus and that depth of reading that I was doing, because I would read maybe four or five books on one topic. So the thing behind that was I knew if I could refill my tank, I could bring some of these ideas back to our team and to our clients, and that would make me a happier, calmer person, and I would be able to synthesize things better and also solve problems better. And I think that was all very true, because when I came back, I was... um, I would I would hesitate to use the words then, but almost, yeah. because I really was doing a lot of self-care and I was meditating and thinking and writing and spending a great deal of time um, thinking about how I felt about things. So it was all really good stuff. Well, I think that I can definitely speak for the team um, that you came back a different person. And it wasn't that you were a bad person before or one that we didn't <laughs> enjoy before, but you came back different and, and different for the good. I can definitely just see a little bit more of that gal sparkle back in your eye. Um, maybe even being able to be more present in um, some of the, it's not that you weren't present. It's that you are being more present and, and intentional with your presence, I think is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been so interesting for all of us to kind of adjust to it because it's a, it's a different version of Gail and um, all of that is good, but it also comes with like, you know, we have to break our old habits of how we're used to communicating or maybe even some of our expectations of you uh, because it's just changing. And um, as with anything, you know, when we um, when we are going through periods of not feeling super comfortable, that's when we're growing the most. And so when I see our team adjusting and kind of swarming you in a different way, I see them growing also from this. So it's pretty, pretty powerful stuff. 
Um, you know, I, I recently, uh, I believe it was on a group chat, but then I also saw it over on um, Instagram. I believe uh, it was Annalie Howling who um, posted this. She actually had a diagram and it said, pick your path. And the first diagram shows, you know, an angle straight up the mountain and it shows that that's your work. And then there's a straight fall down and that's burnout. And then you're flatlining. Um, and then the other one right next to it shows a stair t- step and you, you take a step in and that's your work. And then you take a mm-hmm. step up and in, and that's your rest. And so, you know, just looking at how we all get into this uh, moment where we're either overworked or overtired or overthinking or overstressed. And I think that, um, it's a good lesson for all of us, maybe perhaps not necessarily the ability to take a sabbatical yet. Um, I think the closest thing I've had to sabbatical is, you know, the, the time I've taken off with my two, two babies, um, in the past. Um, so, you know, essentially you've kind of got your own little maternity leave this last, this last (laughs) December. Without the childbirth pain. Without the childbirth, (laughs) you're just breathing lots of ideas and um, reading lots of books. So, so what are some of the things, um, that you felt like during your sabbatical and your time off that you really wanted to assess personally. Mm -hmm. And I know that this might get a little vulnerable, but I think that people need to hear it. Well, thankfully I've given, I've talked about this enough times that maybe I won't be so so emotional about it. But I think first of all, I knew this to be true. My best friend and I've known each other since uh, I was seven. So it's a lot of years and she has seen me through so many different things and one of the things I've always admired about her that is that she can identify exactly how she's feeling. And I realized I wasn't very good at that. And the reality is, is if you can't name it, you can't feel it. So emotions I love that, are, by the way. Yeah, because if you can't name it, you can't feel it. And if you can't feel it, then you are stuck there. Mm-hmm. And you will be stuck until you can name it. And the reality is I needed to work on that. So I decided that there were some things that were going on with me and emotionally I needed to understand my motivations. I needed to know why I was doing certain things, uh, where I was focusing. So sometimes I would get into negative loops and uh, rumination, if anybody has heard of that. Uh, Rumination is where you just can't stop that thought and it just keeps going. Mm -hmm. Um, Circle, swirl. Yeah. And and you just can't get past that. So first you have to name your emotion and you have to be aware enough that you can actually identify it. And I couldn't identify some things. So interestingly enough, I went and bought one of the books I read was Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. Highly recommend. And I read this book and I thought, wow, she's describing 68 emotions. And I think I knew two of them. (laughs) I really couldn't identify the difference between some of the words. And so hearing and reading her definitions and understanding those just made complete sense to me. So this is going to sound really weird, but I was struggling and have for years between understanding if I was happy or not, or uh, what joy was and what the difference between joy and happiness were. Mm -hmm. And by reading her book, I thought, oh, I actually am happy most of the time. I just didn't know that. I didn't know how to identify that. And then the joy is not as frequent. But when I did have it, I could see the difference between it and how I would define it differently 
between the the joy and, and just happiness. So understanding that and being clear about it was really helpful. And then I went through this period after sabbatical was over, still reading a ton, another 25 books or so. Mm-hmm. And um, during this time since January, I realized, gosh, um, this is really different for me to function where I can actually identify that I'm happy every day. So I that actually kicked me into doing a lot of journaling. So this is the next thing, which is habits, and that is identifying supporting habits um, and knowing that there are those that are supporting, like meditation and journaling, and the ones that make life harder are things like the ruminating and staying stuck in the negative. If you have a negative thought, you need to have three positive ones to overcome the negative thoughts and clear that out of your head. So I thought that was pretty interesting. So I started really focusing on doing a lot more journaling, which led to, again, way more deep thinking. And um, and then I also thought about what I needed to change about myself to be happier. So here are a couple of things that I'm going to share because I think these will help everybody listening. So for example, my mother used to say it all the time, don't criticize, condemn, or complain. Because that really is a judgment, but it's a judgment about you, mm. not the other person, which mm. is so interesting. So if you are, if you find yourself in those particular spots, using words later to describe those things as critical, condemning, or complaining, then you're just speaking about yourself. And it's really identifying where you're in a negative place. I also thought that it would be good for me to manage ego, the need to be right. And that happens quite a bit. Sometimes we believe we are the right people and we get frustrated. And that's a good uh, reminder. If we get frustrated with other people or we're impatient, that usually means that we want to be right. So if we can let that go, then we can be a lot happier. And that leads to the being less judgmental. And Just more a minute. Forgiving. Before you go into the less judgmental, yeah, let's go sure. back to this need to be right thing because you're saying that this is something you felt like you needed to change about yourself. And I think that coming from my perception, I don't feel like you present yourself as needing to be right all the time. Well, I wouldn't say all the time, but I do have my moments and I do notice it when I do it. And I'm very aware that if I need to be right, that I am discounting the other person's point of view. Mm. And, And so it's really important to be aware of it because you can spend a lot of time, again, being very judgmental of the other person Mm -hmm. and not really understanding where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. So if you can let go of that, all of a sudden you just find, wow, I don't have to carry that around and I I don't have to be right. And I don't, I, they can be right. They can think they're right. (laughs) They may not be, but at least I can be interested and curious about what they believe, which is helpful. Mm -hmm. So, and then there were a couple of other things too. One of them was to be more present in meetings because I find myself getting really um, anxious if things aren't moving quickly. And so I was reading about that and looking for how I can add value. And of course, Erin, you'll laugh at this. I have next to my desk, I have one of these standing plastic things. And it has a list of things I can do and read before I go into a meeting to try to be more present and be more aware because I, I catch myself doing very bad habits that are not helpful to the, um, to the conversation and they're disrespectful to other people. 
And mm-hmm. so being more present in meetings and looking how I can add value instead of getting uh, bored or annoyed or uh, disconnected, that's what I need to be. Um, another one is being more patient and being patient is about stopping and not putting a timeline on things because everyone processes differently. Everyone has a different speed. And I understand that my speed for some people is scary. And so (laughs) therefore, I need to stop and be patient and let people catch up instead of me getting frustrated that people aren't with me. And um, because it's my responsibility, it's our, our responsibility as the giver of the message that the other person does understand what we're saying. Mm-hmm. So that patience piece is vital to great communication. Yeah, and I think it also goes back to us. It's not that they're not with you. They're just needing a little bit more time. Yeah, they've got a process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that processing time requires patience. And so that comes back to for example, we just kind of stepped on each other there and there. That's a perfect example of both of us had a thought. So we weren't completely present with the other person. And if we were completely present, we would let them finish their thought before we started ours. So that comes to patience and communication too. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that's a, a good learning point for everybody because we have to be great listeners to be able to be great helpers. And we are really here to serve other people. And through the work that we do, we are serving others and and we get paid for that. (laughs) But um, we have to come from a servant's heart. So therefore, being patient is very important. And the last piece is um, that I felt like in order to be happier, I needed to be more focused and start less. And I was actually thinking about this today because I've done so much reading again since the beginning of the year. So now I'm probably up to about 60 books since the middle of November. And um, and I've decided I'm going to stop for a little while, not start other books right now, and go back and process some of the ones I've read so that I can get those learnings and use those in some of the things that I'm teaching to the clients. So I feel like those are things I can do to be a better listener, be a better team member, be a better leader, uh, and also just be a better person. So do you have some strategies on how to, to keep this focused, to stay more focused? <laughs> well, I think I know first you have to identify where you lose your focus, right? Mm-hmm. And you also have to look at what is it you're trying to accomplish in your life and your business. And if you have more than three priorities, then you're not focused. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about that quite a bit the last couple of days. I've read that multiple times in many books. And to me, it's getting very focused personally about what are the three things I need to do personally and what are the, th- the three things I need to do professionally to be more focused. And if I just serve those things only until those are complete, then and, and as long as they're part of our long-term game plan for business, then that's what I need to do. I love that. Well, let's go back um, to when you were talking about the difference between joy and happiness, mm. because you talked about you, you talked about them just a little bit, but you actually didn't explain what the difference is between the two. Well, if you ask me to de- define it, I'd have to pull out the book and read it to <laughs> you because I don't, I don't exactly remember. But I think we all can relate to a feeling of contentment and. The happy place is that 
you can, you have gratitude. And I think that that's the core of mm -hmm. happiness mm -hmm. is that you can be very grateful for what you have and not for what you don't have. And happy is just a state of being. It's not necessarily a state of doing. Right. And I think that that's where so many people get it wrong, right? They're mm -hmm. looking for like external validations or external yes. things or buying things or taking trips to things to find the happy. They're constantly in the search of the happy when really the happy is inside of you. Well, hopefully it is. <laughs> I mean, that's the hope. And if, if you, but if you're trying to find the happy, it's going to be inside of you. It's not going to be something outside of you. Exactly right. And the joyful part is almost, I don't know how to describe this. But it's like turbocharging happy. Mm, I love that. And if you can turbocharge happy and joyful is just, I can tell you a moment that I saw joy on someone's face at the retreat last week. And um, I walked out and I saw her sitting at the table and her literally her whole being was beaming. I love it. <laughs> and you could see she was as bright as the sunshine outside. And I walked up to her and I said, oh, my gosh, you are just beaming. And she said, I am. And I am just having such a great time. And she was so, you could just see, almost giddy. It was like bringing her down from the cloud because she was in that really wonderful, joyful state that almost feels like you're not grounded on the ground. You're, you're mm -hmm. above the ground. Well, um, yeah, we were in Del Mar last week for a boardroom retreat and it was such a good time. Uh, we were with about 35 boardroom members and um, incredible speakers and we had some great exercises and of course the beach and the ocean right there um, at our fingertips was not too shabby either. Um, but the same client that you're referencing, uh, she actually came up to me during the cocktail party and said, my husband called me and said, you know, you're not really checking in too much this week. And I just responded to him, I don't really have much to check in about. I'm with my people. I'm having a great time. I'm at the ocean. I'm with my people. Um, yeah, I'll be home soon. But that's really kind of all you need to know. <laughs> so. yeah. oh, that, that was so cute. And I, I loved it because you could just see it on her face. Mm -hmm. And that expression, if you see it on people's face, you know what it means. And here's the other thing that I think is a real nugget out of all of this. Um, I decided that for me to show up differently, I needed to feel differently. And I needed to focus on the things that would make me feel um, good. Mm -hmm. And what's so interesting, and we, we talked about this a little bit at retreat, that there are many different levels of uh, feelings that we might have. Some are considered low vibration, like shame is the very lowest level, and joy is the very top of the top, the highest energy that you can possibly feel. So if we think about the fact that our energy is what other people sense and feel, mm -hmm. then what, what you do we want? Too, right? Yeah. And what you put out, you get back. So mm -hmm. I have to be very focused and uh, aware of how I'm feeling and how I'm showing up because that's what I'm going to get back. And if I want more enjoyable feelings, then I had better be in a better place, right? So mm -hmm. uh, being grateful, happy, joyful, kind, um, be a leader, a mentor, and have a servant heart. All of those things are how I need to show up every single day in order to get back what I want in my life. Right. So tell me a little bit more about the servant heart and how you're 
how you're seeing yourself doing that um, as you as you move on from this sabbatical. Well, I think the servant heart is just a, an attitude that we all must have in our businesses because if we really think about it, if we don't have that attitude, then we don't have the connections that we want in our lives. We don't have them with the other people on our team. We don't have them with our spouse or our significant others or boyfriends or girlfriends. We just don't have that. So to be a servant heart and to give to others is the biggest joy that you could ever have. And Mm -hmm. that's an intrinsic motivation. It is not an external motivation. So if you want to feel better, if you want to have less negative feelings, start doing other things for other people, focusing on other, other people, and you will get back everything you want and more. And so what is so interesting is so fun. And so when we go to a retreat, one of the things that happens, I don't know if you feel this when we're getting ready for that, but before everybody shows up, I can tell my whole energy level is shifting as I'm getting ready to Mm -hmm. see people. I feel my level of excitement and happiness and joy and um, all of those great feelings coming up because I can't wait to be with the people that are part of our community But the other piece is I know that my joy is giving. So if I can give Mm -hmm. and I can help other people be successful, that that servant heart will lead to a better uh, situation for everybody. Right. And also among our team, because I think that drives the the culture of our company. I love that. So um, I'm sure that you don't want to probably go into all the details of your thoughts, but um, I'm sure that you took some time to assess the business too, like things that, I mean, I know you're constantly doing that, like things that are working, um, things that are working well, things that need improved uh, results, accountability, um, you know, people, programs, processes. So anything that you want to share in maybe in the process of how you, how you went through to kind of assess the business during this time? I do that all the time. You're right. And I do it every year at the end of the year, for sure, because I want to look back and I want to see what do we do well? What didn't we do well? What can we improve? What do we need to stop doing? What do we need to start doing? And that's a good uh, process for everyone to follow in order to build a successful life and business. And in looking at what's going well, that's great to an extent, and but it doesn't teach you what you really need to know. So if you can focus on what needs to improve and what you need to stop, those are the two areas that will give you the most um, direction for what you need to work on within the business. And so you want to look at the what often comes out as a result of the problem, the true core problem, and look at the result. And so, for example, if you're not getting enough sales, then why aren't you getting those sales? So asking those five whys, like Toyota does that. They use the five whys. And you keep asking until you find the core reason. And once you figure out the core reason why things are not working out, then you can fix the problem. Because otherwise, you're just fixing the result of the problem. So you want to get to the root cause. And if you can fix the root cause, then you can do away with it forever. So you'll never totally fix all your problems, but you can always use that process in order to evaluate your company and figure out what you can do better. I think also what has worked well for us as a team, 
um, is to use a SWOT analysis where you look through and you, everybody is recording the strengths and the weaknesses, the opportunities and the threats. And that's just another way to, to go about it and think about it. And then you could actually go into um, those five whys about each one of those segments. Right. Um, so I love that. So the SWOT, just to go a little deeper on that, the uh, strengths and weaknesses are internal and the opportunities and threats are external. So now let's talk about where your focus has gone now that you've been through your sabbatical and what kind of priorities do you have both for yourself and for our business? That's a great question. Well, for me, I know that in the business, I am very focused right now on transition and preparing the team for new responsibilities and more responsibilities. For example, you and I sat down and talked about, and I've got that on one of my little laminated cards about getting Aaron ready. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I have one of those little machines. Um, And it's to get you ready for your next step. So for me, I've got this front and center. We've already checked two off of the list out of 10. Woohoo! We're we're only in March, so we're doing pretty well. Um, And some of these are already in process. But when I'm looking at this, if I'm focused on helping you be a better leader and take so you can take more off of my plate and can lead the people better that are on our team, then it frees me up to do more of what is in my genius zone because we all have a genius zone and we just need to identify what it is and go for that. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's what focus is, is to figure out what are, what's the real way that we can get to the next level of our business. And one of those is having the right people in the right seats in the business and then coaching and mentoring those people. But the other thing is personal growth and um, getting coaching and getting mm-hmm. coaching and consulting. So one of the books I read, which was a real game changer for me, which I gave to the whole team is, and also to some of our clients is what got you here won't get you there. And it helps you identify what you need to change about yourself in order to really grow. And so personal growth is high on my list, and it has been for a long time. And the meditation is great. The journaling is great. But I also realized I needed to have more clarity about how how others saw me. So I started working with a an executive coach that I found as a result of my reading and through that process have done some assessments that have helped me see, um, for example, more of a 360 where I got my team members to give me feedback and I can see how I perceive myself and how the team perceives me and then where there might be some blind spots and gaps. So that was one thing that I did to start. First, I needed to know where I was and what I needed to work on. And now I'm working on those things. So um, it, it was kind of funny. I was talking to my coach the other day and he said, oh, my God, you are on fire with this reading. And I said, yeah, <laughs> I've got a lot of things to fix. So I am going and getting what I need. I am either getting coaching from you or I'm going to go read and see what I can fill in in terms mm-hmm. of the gaps so that I can grow. Because the faster I do that, the faster the business grows. So your personal growth is key for growing your business. And if you can do that, you can grow your business. And then the other thing I did is I also found another coach for our company because I'd been looking for somebody in particular, a specific relationship, kind of relationship I wanted to have. And we found that right person, again, through sabbatical. So I had that time to think and to reach out and 
interview people and we hired him and uh, you and I both love working with him. He's great. And having that right person is so key. And I know that for a fact, we must always have coaches because they push you and they hold you accountable to growth and to learning. I think that sometimes people are surprised to hear that we have coaches too. Well, gosh, you, <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> you, you don't want to have somebody who isn't growing, right? Right. If, if you hire a coach who isn't themselves hiring other people, then why would in the world would you go coach with them? Right. Why? Well, and we have different needs at different times of what exactly. we need coached on. You know, specifically, we've come out really looking at uh, leadership and executive coaching for the two of us, and then to extend that onto our leadership team. Um, But in the past, it's been anywhere from, you know, just simple coaching on marketing or coaching on revenue or coaching on strategies to grow the business. Um, So many different things that we realize that we need. And um, I definitely think that we're we're in a good spot and have um, probably the most most connected coach I felt a connection with, um, in the time that we had done business. So I, I would agree I'm, with that. 14 years. Very, I feel very grateful for that. Yeah. And this is, I shared this this week too. He's the most expensive we've ever hired, but I am, don't regret it for a second because I know it will pay off a hundred percent because we've got somebody who's really there with us mm-hmm. and is truly committed to our success. So that's something that you want to be looking for if you're looking for coaching. And everybody should have a coach. Everybody. I don't care if it's us or somebody else. Just find somebody that is further along than you are and can teach you something but that you have a relationship with, you connect with. And don't hire somebody just because they've got good credentials. Make sure that you connect with that person emotionally. So what are some of the things that you are doing um, as a focus on your health these days? Oh, well, first of all, I'm standing on my treadmill. It's a little hard to walk and to be on the treadmill at the same time. So I'm standing on my treadmill and I have a standing desk. And also I started back in November, I decided I was done cooking. So I told Harry, my husband, that. And he said, okay, so what are we eating? <laughs> yeah, I mean, is that just a proclamation? Like, I'm just not yeah. going to cook anymore. I said, I'm done. I'm not cooking anymore. <laughs> I love it. So I found a food service and we tried one for a while and the food was okay. And then um, one of our clients, Elisa Grayer, had told me about hers, which was Factor 75. Highly recommend it. The food is phenomenal. And my husband loves it. He was texting me all last week while we were gone and said, oh, this is really good. Ooh, this is really good. Ooh, a new favorite. (laughs) And so it's all healthy food and it's all calorie controlled. So that's really good. And uh, I have a meeting with a personal trainer tomorrow. So those are all things that I'm working on. So I think it's really about you have to decide what your priority is. And for me, health is one, number one for my personal life. And then, uh, of course, for business, I always have other goals and things that I'm working on for that. So, um, yeah, those are the things that I'm working on right now. And then the other thing I would add in here, too, is that I want to continue my reading and my improvement process. I'm taking a little pause for a while just to catch up on um, some of the great books that I've read because I need to go back and take notes on them. That's what I do when I'm reading is I'll read it first, I'll highlight, and then I'll go back and I will take notes on that book. And I create a 20-page summary or so 
of the bullet points that I go, want to go back and review frequently. So that saves me from going back and rereading the books later. So that's one of my shortcuts. And um, so there are a couple of things I'm working on this year for myself, and that's empathy, uh, forgiveness, and leadership. And then also for the business part, the entrepreneurship, working on um, continuing to build on my financial knowledge, compensation, uh, employee development, leadership, all those things are part of what I am working on this year for the business. And what made you decide that those are the things you wanted to improve on? I just feel like those are the things that I need. I have the biggest gap that I need to learn more. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about reconnecting. Was there some reconnecting that happened when you went through your sabbatical or even now that you've been out of it for a little while? Well, I think so. And I think the reconnecting piece was reconnecting with the relationships first with myself, because I was so focused on taking care of everybody else. Anybody relate to that? (laughs) (laughs) And you take care of everybody else, but you forget to take care of yourself. So you have to focus on yourself. And I think that one of the areas I've always struggled with is the self-love. And I needed to work on that. So that's something I am working on. And, um, and what I found so fascinating when I was doing the 360, and I was getting feedback about what the team thought about me, I was thinking, Oh, my gosh, I am really hard on myself. And it was really good for me to see how hard I was on myself, and that I was really appreciated a lot by the team, and that I needed to pay attention to what other people were seeing and not what I was seeing in myself. Cause I think we all have a habit of being super hard on ourselves. Agreed. Agreed. And I mean, especially just the, it's not even things that we necessarily say out loud. It's the things we say to ourselves that nobody else hears, but that it's terrible. critic that could ever have lived. Right. Um, so when we can be nicer to ourselves yeah. and realize that, you know, we deserve to have our tanks filled too. Cause if we're pouring from an empty tank, then, um, there's not much to pour there. So, and I know that we're, we come from a culture of like, we're always wanting to give freely to our team and to our clients and put on the absolute best experiences we can. And if you and I don't have our tanks filled, then there's not a lot to give there. So I certainly felt, um, coming into this retreat last week with a much fuller tank than I've ever had before for a retreat, um, just in being mindful of some of the things that I've learned from that you've learned from your sabbatical. So even your sabbatical is helping me understand myself better. Well, that's good. So yeah. what, did learn? what did you learn on my sabbatical? Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. I just will share that uh, we were in our L10 this week and Gil and I were both gone last. Uh, well, I was gone for the last two weeks and Gil was gone last week. And and we always do a professional achievement and a personal achievement. And Jen said, she starts giggling and she goes, is it okay for me to say that both my personal and professional achievement is I like it when Gail and Aaron are out of town. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what a brat. <laughs> it's like, no, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of being honest. Uh, no, I'm really being honest. No. And she wasn't sure what to say, but it was so cute. <laughs> I know she's probably being honest. So, um, but you know, I think it was a great challenge for the team. Um, our team really came together and, um, it wasn't, it didn't feel like a big, like sinking of the ship or, you know, all of a sudden one person gets off at the teeter totter and the other one goes flying off. Like that, that didn't feel that way. We were well-prepared 
you helped prepare us as well. And I think everybody was ready for the challenge. And so they were really trying to think outside of the box as far as solving problems, um, working together a bit more. And and they didn't have quite the reliancy that maybe they have from, I wasn't available as much because I was manning other things. And so there's a few band-aids that were ripped off there. And then also with you being gone. Um, But I think that it really also taught our team and it showed our team that you really believe in them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That they are the right people doing the right tasks. They're here. We absolutely believe in them to make the right decisions um, while you're gone. And, you know, I, I actually had, it was fortunate. It was a great opportunity for me because I got to have a lot of time with clients. I had a lot of one-on-one conversations with clients. It was the end of the year. There's a lot of moving parts. I guess if I go back and I think about like the things that maybe were a little bit delayed, but for right the right reasons is, you know, I think we had to use a few of our um, leadership meetings just to solve problems together that maybe, maybe um, had you been there, there would have been maybe a few less problems because we wouldn't have had to figure out it on our own, right? Like you would have just already kind of have taken a stand on, on what direction we were going. Um, so we were a little delayed as far as like kind of getting our rock started for the quarter and that sort of thing, um, or, or setting our rocks for the first quarter. But I think that, um, I found magical communication with some of the people on the team. Um, well, all of our team members really, but I mean, specifically like Kristen and I just found our groove together on specific topics and some things that we were tackling and really moved some pretty big mountains. And, um, you know, the rest of the team, I think really honored your time. We really wanted to leave you alone as much as possible. Um, and then, you know, we would hear from you occasionally and, you know, we weren't sure if they kept coming to me, like, should I answer her? Like, what should I do? And I'm like, well, she's asking you questions, go ahead and, and answer. But I know that you were also kind of missing, um, the daily vibe of being with your, with your family and your team. So. Well, it was so interesting because I was lurking, you know, that. And so I would watch the Slack channels and I mostly kept my mouth shut because I thought, yeah, they're handling it. And if they need me, they know where to find me. I've got to. And I mean, I guess the the thing that we'll just tell you now is we kept you in the Slack channel since this was a first sabbatical, but we might not do that for the next one. (laughs) I'm totally okay with that. (laughs) Um, Oh my gosh. Well, um, I want to just kind of wrap this up. I know you've been reading a ton of books, but one of the favorite books that I haven't got my hands on yet, but I know you have talked about retreats and on calls and with the team and with me is Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. So tell me a little bit about why you're loving that so much. Um, coming oh my out gosh. It was so good. I think it, there are just a couple of keys that I want to share. And it's a wonderful read. It's a big, beefy book. And it takes a while to read it, even for me, because there's so much depth in some of the things that he shares. And he was going to college and he somebody asked him to go hear a monk And he was so moved by it that he ended up joining a monastery, and he was a monk for a few years. And then finally, the monk said, you need to go write a book, and you need to share this message with others. And so he wrote this beautiful book, Think Like a Monk, and he, just a couple of things that I thought were extremely important in the book to me. One is to think about your motivations. Why do you want to do what you're doing? Do you want the outcome or do you want what you might learn from the process of doing it? I Mm. thought that was so good. So good. And 
And then he talks about the four motivations, which is fear, which might be sickness, poverty, fear of hell, fear of death, desire, which is personal gratification through success, wealth, or pleasure, duty, which is gratitude or responsibility of the desire to do the right thing. And then the fourth one is love, which is compelled by care for others and the urge to help them, which is mine. That, that's my motivation. And um, he also talked about Dharma, which is a, an intersection, if you were to see a Venn diagram with the three circles overlapping. You're looking to find your Dharma, which is the intersection of passion, expertise, and need. And if you can find that, which I have in the work that I do, um, then that is the biggest gift that you can possibly have. So finding your Dharma and most of our listeners are creative entrepreneurs, so they have their passion for design, and that's their expertise as well. And the need is from the clients who want the services and are willing to pay for that. So hopefully most of the listeners will hear and understand that they are living in their dharma. And with that, they're, they need to understand which motivation is driving them. And that will help them to understand themselves a little bit better. So mm -hmm. great book. Highly recommend it. All right. Well, Gail, um, as always, I always learn so much from you and I'm so proud of you for taking this sabbatical. Um, I know we already have your next sabbatical scheduled um, for the end of this year, um, along with, I think, close to four weeks of vacation. So that's almost 10 weeks off for you this year. And mm -hmm. um, I certainly am starting to do a better job of taking time off. Um, I didn't do a good job of that before. And I kept asking Gail, I'm like, why is it that none of our team members are taking time off? And she's like, well, we have to set the example. We have to show them that it's okay. We have to show them that we come back refreshed and, you know, easier to work with and more fun and fresher ideas. Um, so I'm definitely have a, a two week vacation planned this summer. Um, I'm moving. So I've got a couple just unplanned, I guess, <laughs> Planned but unplanned um, workcations where I'm going to be doing a lot of packing and unpacking, but um, really looking forward to it and just looking forward to uh, what comes from this year and still reaping the benefits from all the things that you are still so excited about um, from this rest, this time of rest that you had. So um, I appreciate all of your um, knowledge and feedback and sharing with everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Gail Dobie Coaching and Consulting, please visit gildobie.com. And don't hesitate to reach out to us by booking a call. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Next week, we'll be speaking with Garrison Hollinger about how to spot trends and what to be thinking about for the future. Also, be sure to check out our upcoming five-day marketing blueprint challenge. These five one-hour sessions with Gail Dobby will teach you all about marketing your business and how to create a plan to attract more clients. It's taking place May 2nd through the 6th, and you can find more information on the challenges page on our website. Registration is now open, so don't wait.